0: Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together gather faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray this morning that insight and understanding will come upon us through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me clearly? Yes. Everyone at the back, can you hear me clearly? Yes. Alright, thank you. We, I want to wrap up this series on the Berean Believer. We've been on it for three sessions. Make sure you please get the messages. Let's, let's, let's do a quick review and just get up. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15. Paul was speaking. He said, these things are right to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. These things are right to you. Verse 15. But if I'm delayed. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. But if I'm delayed. Arise so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So we established that the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of truth. Which means that we we learn the truth, not just a truth, but the truth from the church. Now, one of the things you observe right now is that people are trying to define what truth is. We can only get truth from the word of God. It's what God tells us that is truth. Because man by himself cannot establish truth. Praise God. And we talked about the attitude to the word. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1 to 3. Nehemiah chapter 8. And verse 1 to 3, how the, the children and the adults who could have understanding were listening attentively to the word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1 to 3, especially verse 3, the Bible says that from early in the morning to about noon, they were doing what? Listening to the word of God as, the, as, as Ezra was reading the word of God. And we talked about learning to spend quality time to receive the word. And, uh, and I think in, in talking about that, I made mention of the fact that they were listening attentively to the book of the law, and which is what I dealt with on Wednesday about our mind, eagerness of mind. You cannot be in church learning God's word and afford to be distracted in your mind and afford to be distracted in your mind. And that's what I said. I also said it that as a matter of policy, if I go with my friends to program or even most times if I go with my pastors to program, I don't like sitting in the same place with them. The reason is just because I want my mind to pay attention to what I'm saying. If not, you can easily get distracted. And if you get distracted, you're not paying enough attention to the word. So we must... Change our orientation about church. Church is not just a place where we come because we want to mark you know the register and say, Oh, well, I was in church on Sunday and mid-Wednesday service. No, it's a place where we learn about God. So, in as much as we have an entertainment mindset about church, we need to switch that to have an education mindset that we are coming to learn. We are coming to learn. That's the approach to scriptures. The approach to scriptures is not just, you know, I want to get a good word. No. The approach to scriptures is I'm learning something, praise God, and you have a student approach to it. So I expect, for instance, if you're a member of the local church, that you have a note or somewhere you write all the sermons and you study and you go over the things that I'm teaching you. You become a student of the word. Every one of us was designed to become a student of the word. Okay. Okay. uh, I talked about incline your ear. What it means to incline your ear. Well, just get all of those messages, right? Let me just go to Acts 17 and start from there. Let's go to Acts 17. Or let's go to Psalm first. Psalm 103. And I'll show you something there in Psalm 103 verse 7. Psalm 103 and verse 7. Psalm 103, verse 7. You know, one of the things, I talked about the dark ages when the Roman Catholic priest had the book of the law. And, um, and people were not having access to the Bible. And so they taught a lot of stuff and all that. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and Martin Luther, the, the, the German theologian. Theologian came up, this hymn actually that we sang this morning in Christ alone, they're hymns that were products of those revelations of the justification of faith by Christ. Faith in Christ. That's what brings us into the kingdom of God. You know, uh, and that is something, you know, sometimes when you listen to some of our songs today, if you listen to uh, our current songs, you realize that most of our current songs are not doctrinal. They are not from the word. Praise God. Are you, are you here or are you going home? You are here? Okay, I thought you were going. Most of our songs today are not doctrinal. They are circumstantial. Oh God, set me free. Oh God, help me. I almost died and you held me. You know, Everything I have is double, double. Uh, uh, Don't sing that. (laughs) And then, uh, uh, what? You you just break through. You know, when you even if you don't have any problem and you listen to the songs, you almost feel like you have you have a problem. All right, and the reason is because we also have turned singing in church to entertainment, not a ministry. So you realize that there are people in the choir who don't have time for the word. So they don't even know which song is correct. But most of the hymns that were written by the Charles Wesleys, the John Wesleys of this world, they were not written because they wanted to become bestsellers. They were written because they found something in God's truth. And they decided to convert it to music. Why? Because music helps retention. So they wrote those hymns, Is uh, which I'm trying to think of one hymn now. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember it. But uh, it talks of Christ being your anchor and the rest and the rest and the rest. But when that hymn was written, it was because the man has lost his whole family. And then he knew that Christ is his anchor. Christ is his state. So he wrote that out of that. It wasn't just about breakthrough, about... Those songs were theological songs. And you, you observe again that as we began to move away from deep theological teachings in the church, our music also began to change. Because our music is a reflection of our belief system. Are, are you following this? Time? And I'll show you here. Psalm 103 verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The acts of God are the miracles of God. The ways of God are the theologies of God. So we, we have almost raised a church that's big on the acts of God. So every time we read the word of God, it's what can God do for me, right? Every time we... So it's not about knowing the ways of God. It's about knowing what God can offer. So our songs are this way, our, our programs are this way, our whatever we do is, to, is, is tied towards what? The acts of God, the acts of God, the acts of God, not the ways of God. And it's very simple, we can try it out. If we decide to have a meeting right now and say, well, we want to have a meeting on Something, 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 very interesting. You'll see the whole place packed full. Praise God. And then, for instance, you say, okay, well, we want to have a conference. And it's three days. What's the theme of the conference? Justification. Say, what does that mean? How many of you agree to what I'm saying? Because you don't understand. I mean, I didn't can't your pastor select topics. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when, I, um, when we had a camp meeting, I had some of my friends coming from South Africa and were driving to go eat. And uh, they saw some signposts in Wari there. Oh, it was almost embarrassing to me. They'll say, oh, did you see that? So what exactly is that guy trying to teach? We are going to your village. Untie me or I kill you. <laughs> Have you seen program t- title? And oh, those programs are packed. <laughs> Praise God. If you can kill the man in the first place, how did he tie you? You you, you understand that? But you see, now we, we laugh about these things, but there is a decline in the church. It's something that should actually cause us to weep. Because, you see, ask yourself, if at this age we're still on that level, ask yourself the kind of church your children are going to grow up in. You know, it's very easy for me to teach here. Most times, I... Struggle to teach when sometimes I'm invited to certain places because I'm teaching like this, and people are just looking at me like, this Is this one man of God? You know, it's because you, 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 number one, you are opening too many scriptures. So, in the first place, when they, you know, call your name, people are excited after the first scripture, after the second scripture, you just say, they just close the Bible, eh? you know, like. I are tired. Say something. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And then maybe, maybe a program of two, three people, four, four pastors. Yeah, I finish the first two days and I go. And then the second day, they bring a, the, a hot man. You know, and then maybe only one person will reach me out of the church, for instance, and say, oh, pastor, what you thought? I, I really began to see some new light. Because for us, Not here now. But for for most of us in Christianity, it's not about what we see or learn from the Word of God anymore. It's about what we can get. Praise God. Are, are, Are you following this? And sometimes also, we must learn as ministers to be led by the Spirit of God. When I was about to sleep yesterday night, I had a vision about this morning service. And I was praying for the sick. And the Lord said, when you go pray for the sick. So, it, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's not just about you saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Listen, you must realize that as pastors, we are powerless without the Holy Ghost. I'm not different from you. And I must also be led. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? I, I am responsible to the Lord. Praise God. So the ways of God is is actually learning more about God. How God is. How he acts. Who he is. What he has done for us. And the acts of God are just the miracles of God. And I want to tell you this. Listen, and and I keep repeating it for the sake of emphasis. Don't ever in your mind... Think that if we concentrate on the word and we concentrate on the ways of God, we're not going to get miracles. We're not going to get all of those things those people people testify about. (laughs) You You are in for the shock of your life. These things will pursue us like no man's business. That is the truth. I've proven it in my life and I've seen it in the life of other people. As we keep our attention on Christ, everything in this material world will begin to bow to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Whether you call them miracle jobs or miracle this or miracle that. We had, we had one of our leaders in church who haven't had a baby for seven years. And, and through the ministry of the word and ministry of prayer, they have their child now. There is, I don't think there are testimonies that we will not have if learning about God becomes our priority. Because the more we see the awesomeness of God, the more these things we fade in comparison. We will not spend our life pursuing these things. We will rather spend our life learning about God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. That amen was very loud. That's good. Acts chapter 17. Praise God. Acts chapter 17. You know, I like teaching you guys the word of God so much. If I have my time, I'll just keep all of you here for the whole day. Acts 17. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. So they went into the synagogue. What you refer to as church. These were more fair-minded or more noble than those in Thessalonica. Acts 17, verse 11 now. In that, they received the word with all readiness. The King James Version says, with all eagerness of mind. So I say that your mind is key to receiving God's word. And I give an example when I talked about this. I say, for instance, if you're in church right now, and you wash your clothes, and it starts raining, I'm sure for the first three, four minutes, your mind will be where? My clothes. Who is going to pack them? Whatever I'm saying that time will not mean anything to you. So, what that means is if you don't make up your mind to learn, you cannot learn. It doesn't matter who is preaching. Have you realized that after Jesus finished preaching, he would say, He who has ears to hear, let him hear? Yes. Do you, you think Jesus was saying, He who has farm blades? What was Jesus saying? If you understand what I'm saying, how have you realized that many of the things Jesus taught, even his disciples didn't understand them? You know, before Jesus died, he spent a lot of time talking about his death. Spent a lot of time talking about his death. And when he died, you would expect that the disciples would expect that Jesus would be resurrected. But how many of you know that they did not expect it? And in fact, when Thomas was told that Jesus resurrected, he says, I will not believe He says, I know you people, I will not believe And he says, until I put my... That's disciple of Jesus. Until I put my hands in the hole of his hand. And put my hands in the hole of his side. That was somebody Jesus spent three and a half years. He was not a member of Jesus' church. He was part of the service team. He was a leader, an associate pastor. He did not believe that Jesus would rise. That's why sometimes I, I, I find it funny when they tell some pastors, oh, your church member did this. Yeah, it cannot be. It cannot be. It can be. People can do anything. The fact that they come to church every Sunday morning doesn't make a difference, except they decide to act on the word. Are you you following what I'm saying? Listen, never get shocked by human behavior. Except a man decides, I will allow the word of God change me. If not, you ask yourself, why are pastors having to commit rituals to perform miracles? I mean, who are you trying to who Who is the miracle for? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Now you will not expect that, but yes. Why? Because everybody wants to lead. Everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be famous. And that is why even as a minister of the gospel, if your cure and your lust for fame and honor and notoriety among people is not dealt with, you will abuse the word of God to your own personal gain. So your mind is critical to becoming like Christ. You decide. Right. I'll pay attention to this word I'll listen to this word And I'll act on the word You know many times I've had to encounter people And you know Ask them to walk in love And I, I say Okay you know What does the word of God Tell us to do He says to walk in love He said, but pastor But You know what's happening Right there now Come on Do you know what's happening Right there A root of disobedience They see This is what the word of God Tells me But I am going to choose To do what To act otherwise and then you know what happens? The person now finds a very good reason to act the way he's acting. But not these guys. They were ready to receive the word of God. With readiness of mind. The word readiness, I talked about it on Wednesday, is the Greek word protomeos P r o t u t h u m i o u s. It means to receive the word of God with enthusiasm. To receive it with zeal. To receive it with eagerness of mind. So you're not receiving the word of God like, oh well, let him just finish teaching. Ah, sometimes our service can be long. Ah, Pastor can't talk. Ah, can't talk. He said the same thing on Wednesday. No, that's not that's not enthusiasm. That's not listening with enthusiasm. Praise God. Are you following this now? It's how do you listen with enthusiasm? I think the easiest way I can I can I can I can um, I can explain it two ways. I can use to explain it. Number one is the way people listen when they have to write an exam. You know, sometimes people don't pay attention in class. The teacher says, don't worry, I'll copy the notes. I'll for the copy the notes. I'll do this, I'll do this. Then maybe two weeks to exam, the, the teacher now says, well, we're going to do final revisions before the exam. How many of you know everybody will start paying attention? Everybody's just like, and even when you're talking to your friend, in you just say, wait, 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 later. What's that? You're, you're listening with what? With what? With your mind. Praise God. Or for some of us who watch football, those of you who watch football with, uh, there are people who watch football, like whether they they lose or they win is nothing, you know. There are people who are passionate. You know, people who are passionate and and they're sitting in front of the screen, if you watch them from a distance, they are also playing. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. They are also playing, right? Um, (laughs) I'm laughing because yesterday my club was playing and my wife was going for choir practice. And she said, Oh, are you hungry? I said, No. I can't be hungry. (laughs) How can I be hungry? When our fellowship is going on, how can I be hungry? <laughs> so I realized at the end of the match, <laughs> yeah, I was even more hungry because we lost. So, <laughs> but you understand? I was watching with what? <laughs> with eagerness of mind. I, I, are you following what I'm saying? Now, if you're watching with eagerness of mind. In your mind, you're also looking at the bench. Like, who, who can the coach put? And then the coach makes a wrong substitution. He's like, oh no. Why? You are participating. It's the same way when I'm teaching you the word of God. You ought to be participating when I'm teaching you the word of God. Are you following that? When I say something, you should be able to say amen. You should be able to say praise the Lord. There should be enthusiasm. You can't just listen to the word of God like that. No, if your mind is involved, you will laugh when others are laughing. No, it's like, ah, why are they laughing? It means you were not here. It means you were not here. Do you understand? So what it means to listen to the word of God is almost like you are a fan watching the match and you are participating. So sometimes you don't even know when your hands go up and say praise the Lord. Why? It is in response to the word that is coming forth. I, I, are you following this? You know, but somehow we don't like people responding like that to the word of God because we feel that the more quiet we are, the more matured we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm. good point. <laughs> no, you are not a critic, you are a fan. I, 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 are you following this now? All right, so enthusiasm, eagerness, zeal. That was the heart they brought to the word. So when you're coming to church, that's the mind you should bring. Like, I'm going to be taught God's word today. I'm going to learn God's word today. That excitement should be there. And then that mutual faith is just there. That enthusiasm is just there. People are just hungry to the word. Now, let me tell you something. If we build a culture that is strong on the word, when people even join our, our local church who are not from very word churches, after a while, they'll get into the culture. I, and I use a very funny example every time. You know, some, some, some of us have gone to churches where if you're praying, you're shaking your head, you're shaking your head, you're shaking your head, you're shaking your head. You weren't praying like that before you joined the church. You used to pray like this. And then, you know, after joining the church, after like six months, you discover you're shaking your head. Now, if I call you separately, and say, why are you shaking your head when you're praying? What will, you, what will you, you will really not know what to say. You know what? You just cut that by environment. We are by default a teaching ministry. We are by default, you know, we're we, a we quiet and we just teach. We just teach the word of God. And, you know, so for instance, if we are praying, you will not see that even if you were like that when you came. You know, after maybe the first time they are praying, you say, ah, now, wow. You know, after a while, you two will just do what? You just feed it. So what that means is most of us are products of our dominant culture. So you discover that somebody comes into a ministry, the first month, the second month, their appreciation for the word will begin to go up. I remember someone telling me that, well, when I came to this church, that was the first time I really now started really opening my Bible and following. Because then you have people who just read one verse of scripture and preach three hours from that one verse. I said, Jesus crossed over to Jericho. He crossed. I said, he crossed. You are crossing. You are crossing. You are crossing. I say like, from where to where? You, you, do you understand? If you come from that kind of, <laughs> if, you, if you come from that kind of background, sometimes you just ask yourself, what's the need to carry Bible to church? Because it will be one word, you know, there's nothing to, what are you going to write now? Jesus crossed over. I cross. You cross. We will cross. We have crossed. You, you won't, there will be nothing to write. Do you agree with me? Now, you understand that, But then, if you also now come from a word church, and you sit in that kind of atmosphere, you're asking yourself, why did Jesus cross? When did he cross? What's the Greek word for crossing? (laughs) Do you understand? So you realize that the culture of the local church is framed by the mindset that the pastor is releasing. Now, this is my point. Regardless of the personality of your pastor, there is only one culture for the local church. It should be a culture of the word where the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. Regardless of the method of delivery, it should be a school where you learn about God. Praise God. Okay, so let's read on now. In that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Two things I want to point out there the word search is anacrino, A-N-A-K-R-I-N-O. It means to properly scrutinize, to investigate, to interrogate, to determine. In the King James Version, the word is translated as to ask questions, to discern, to examine, to judge, to search. Now, this is where I'm going to with this, and this is very key. Although Paul was a big man of God, and Silas was a big man of God, they did not just take whatever they said, hook, line, and sinker. They searched. Are you hearing? I've sat with believers, and I said, let's open the word of God. I said, but that's not what Papa said. I said, yes, but Papa didn't write the Bible. But you know, they were not trained to think from the scriptures. Praise God. And amazingly, sometimes even pastors. Now, Paul finished teaching and the guys went back to search the scripture. This is my point. If they were not taking notes of what Paul taught, there would be nothing for them to search the scriptures with. So it means that when Paul and Silas were teaching, what were they doing? They were writing. So they did what? They go back home and they open their Bibles. Now, I want to go somewhere. I don't have much time now, but I'll let you know. The scriptures did not include the New Testament. Because then they had not written the New Testament. We're reading about them, so they couldn't have been reading about themselves in the Bible. They were not reading an Iberian believers. No. So what they had was actually the Old Testament. And that was the biggie for them. Because listen, they were trying to prove the new creation realities that that Paul was teaching from the Old Testament. And that's a difficult task. Are are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul comes and says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but we are all new men in Christ. They say, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we get it. And they write it down. And Paul was not saying, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you are not a new man in Christ. Paul can't be saying that. So listen, I want you to really, this is, the, this is the bone of the message. If you don't get this, you will give me an offering. So you need to get it. Listen, Paul couldn't have been quoting the New Testament. So Paul was teaching them a truth that had not been written. So they had to listen to it. Right, And remember the man teaching them is a man who was a persecutor of the brethren, who was killing people. So Paul c- comes with a high profile. And remember what Peter said about Paul's writing. He said some of Paul's writing, some people interpret them to their own destruction that they were hard to understand. That was an apostle speaking about another apostle's writing. But here we are, in quote ordinary believers. I don't like using that word because there is no ordinary believer. We are all believers. But here is believers Listening to Paul, and now going back to the Old Testament to examine the things which Paul was teaching to find if they were consistent with the Bible. That is a tough task. That's not a task for you. You, you know what? The, 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 the Scriptures is dedicated to them in just two verses, and Paul uses them as an example. Do you know how many churches Paul planted? Do you know how many places church, um, Paul preached? Do you know how many people Paul interacted with? For Paul to single out the Berean believer, there was something about them. And this is it. Because if you read all true... Uh, I'll just give you the scriptures. Don't, don't go there because of our time. Time is gone. But in Matthew 21, 42, Christ referred to the Old Testament as scriptures. In Mark 12, 10 to 24, he referred to the Old Testament as scriptures. In Luke four twenty-one, he referred to the Old Testament as scriptures. In, in Mark one fifty eight, the Old Testament was referred to as Scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, Paul refers to the Old Testament as Scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, the Old Testament is referred to as Scriptures. And James, in James chapter 2, verse 8, refers to the Old Testament as Scriptures. So when the Bible says that they were searching Scriptures daily, it did not mean they were searching the Bible. They were actually searching the Old Testament daily scrolls to find out if Paul if the things that Paul was teaching were consistent so what this means is this it's like I teach you something and you go and try to prove it from the Old Testament which is a tough task so I give you a simple example sometimes when I say this, people say I'm critical but I'm not just showing you an example In the book of Psalms, David was prophetic. So he said that, I'm paraphrasing now. He said that um, the man who has dipped his own hands in the same bowl with me is my enemy and has betrayed me. Okay. A modern day pastor would take that verse and say, let's pray. A man's enemy are members of his own household. The one who has eaten with you is the one that is going to betray you. In the place of prayer, everybody is a suspect. And then you start firing. You say fire, fire everywhere, fire everywhere, fire everywhere. You start praying. The question is that what was what was David talking about there? He was talking about Judas, because Judas ate with Jesus and betrayed Jesus. So actually, actually, David was talking about the Messiah, but he didn't know how to put it in words. So, when Paul now comes and starts teaching, for instance, about the dead burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it was now left for these burying believers. To, okay. Go to Acts. You know how you... I want to show you something here. Mm, Acts chapter... Uh, Let's do look at Acts chapter 2 quickly. You'll you, you lend me 10 more minutes. Acts chapter 2 verse 15. Remember when the Holy Ghost came and, and yeah, the upper room, guys were speaking in tongues. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the level, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. This is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days and, 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 and that. Now, he prophesied, he referenced the prophecy of Joel. So you see, listen carefully now. Please just follow me. Just give me the next ten minutes. Follow me now. When they spoke in tongues... Right? And he said, these guys are drunk. Because nobody has spoken in tongues before. You know, when we speak in tongues now, people just laugh. You know, there were people who were actually killed for speaking in tongues. Because they actually felt they were demon possessed. Go and read church history. Are you following that? In those days, when you spoke in tongues, they drove you out of church. Now, when they spoke in tongues, there was no explanation for it. How did Peter explain it? He turns to Joel chapter 2. And said, this is what Joel spoke about. Can you see now? Because Peter cannot, the book of Acts was not there. So Peter had to reference his experience with the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a shadow of the real. Now let me explain something to you. I don't know whether, do I have a shadow? I think I should. Everybody has, right? I'm seeing two. <laughs> the portion. Okay. So, <laughs> so, this is my shadow. This one is the one that most gave me, but I think this is my real shadow. Now, the truth of the matter is that my shadow is not plumpy. Right? Or fat. Why? Because I'm not. You think I am, but I'm not. That's who I am. <laughs> now, if, if you see a shadow that's very fat like six times my size, that shadow cannot lead to me. Even though in your mind you think it can lead to me, it can never lead to me. What that means is that the shadow must be the exact representation of the real. I'm going somewhere now. You need to listen carefully. That is why a lot of preachers find it difficult to preach from the Old Testament. Because... It would take a lot of study for you to get into the Old Testament and prove anything in the New Testament. So they would rather just preach about Elijah, widow, multiplied miracle, uh, raise the dead. They would rather just single out the miracles in the Old Testament as opposed to explaining what the Old Testament is because it is not easy. But see, you cannot be a good student of the word if you just focus on the New Testament and don't understand the Old Testament. And that, listen, I'm a Word of Faith preacher. I believe in the new Creation realities. But that's one of the areas where in the Word of Faith, our slant was a bit different. We taught a lot of people to emphasize on the epistles and so they can't even relate to the Bible. I'll, I mean, if I take a census now, how many of you took time to study the Old Testament? Many of you have never read even some books of the Old Testament. True. So I'll give you an example. When the children of Israel crossed from Egypt to Canaan, what was he talking about? Was he talking about the fact that God delivered them? It can be the fact that God delivered them. But the truth of the matter was that that was a shadow of the fact that we were saved from the world. I, 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 are you following what I'm saying? So it will take, so the acts of God is the fact that they were delivered. But the ways of God was that that deliverance was a foreshadow of the fact that we, in bondage to the world, were going to be delivered and be set free by the blood of the passover lamb. Now who is the passover lamb? The passover lamb is now Jesus. So when Paul was now speaking, he says Christ your passover lamb has been crucified for you. Now you have been justified. The Berean believers can now take the Bible, the Torah, go back and see how the passover lamb was applied on the doorpost of the of the Jews and that how that how that became the deliverance from them from the hands of Pharaoh which is a type of Satan. Are you following this now? So it is why we use it in application as a scripture for protection. In the real sense it is a scripture for salvation. So you see that we are all built on the application and then we miss the theology in it. And then once you are beginning to bring your the theology into perspective, you will not say, but, but are you not saying, are you not saying, when I'm robbers come? We cannot say. The point is, that was not written for i robbers. It was written to believers to teach believers about God. That if you have faith in Christ and in his blood, you will be saved from the death that goes on in the world. And that salvation primarily is the salvation of your spirit. Are, are, you? Yes, sir. Okay. are you? Are you still here? Yes, now, I'm, <laughs> I hope you get my heart in this because then I get a lot of messages and people tell me, Do I, please don't send me anything. Look, look at this. Look at this now. Give me five more minutes. No, it's ten, it's just four. I'm looking at my time, don't worry. I said ten, it's four, so it's five, six more minutes. Look at this. When the tempter came to Jesus, what did Jesus quote? The Old Testament. Jesus didn't quote, I am Jesus. Don't you know me? No, we don't know you. What did Jesus quote? He went back to the Old Testament and quoted from Deuteronomy. Are you understanding now? How did Jesus know all of that? Listen to me. Well, let me not go there now because then people are going to say this. But Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Someone say, how do you know? He was hungry. God doesn't get hungry. He ate fish. How many of you know Jesus ate fish and bread? That meal is a Jesus combination. Fish and bread the first burger in the scriptures. It will change your life forever. Try it. Roasted fish and bread, it will set you free from all forms of hunger. But look at this now. (laughs) Look at this now. Jesus quoted the Old Testament. And in using, look, I'm going somewhere. In using the Old Testament, Satan quoted the Old Testament but misapplied it. Are you following this? So in the, listen, listen, listen very carefully now. Get your catches out. The temptation of Jesus was not in the understanding of scriptures. It was in the application of scriptures. Because Satan quoted, Jesus quoted. The question is, how do you apply it in context? Do you know James says that even the devil believes the Bible? So you're not the only believer. He also believes the Bible. So that's why you can find that a preacher can take the Bible and milk people of their hand in resources and he's still quoting the word. You will say, bring this seed to the apostles' feet. Here, here, this is the apostles' feet. We know that the seed was brought to the apostles' feet. But then we also know in Acts chapter 6 what that seed was used for. it was used for the brethren. Are you following that now? So I can quote that scripture and stop there. Or somebody now say, bring your Isaac offering. That's not to say you should not give because I'm going to talk about giving next month. Uh Say, ah, I like this church. Pastor does not not like money. I like money. Uh Ah, This church, they don't even take tithes. We take tithes. Uh, This church, they don't collect. We collect. We collect rightly the way the word of God says we should collect. Is that Okay. Because you don't go and now say we're not not taking tithes. How can we not take (laughs) tithes? Now look at this. Now you pick up Isaac. You pick up Isaac. And then you now say, bring all your Isaac offering to the altar. Bring the Isaac offering. You're the one that will pay you. And then you bring the Isaac offering to the altar. Now, the truth of the matter is that, like, let I me mean, I asked one of my fellow pastors. I was in a meeting and they collected Isaac offering. and I was going, I asked, to, I said, do you know this Isaac offering, for instance? You realize that God didn't take it. I know for some of you, I say, hey, not true. Yeah, God didn't take it. God saw his heart. And God provided for himself a lamp. What was that? It was not how to collect money. It was telling us about Jesus Christ. That the salvation of man will not come from what we can offer to him. But once we decide to offer our life to him, God will on, for himself hang his son on the cross on our behalf. And he will accept the sacrifice of his son from us just as he accepted Isaac from Abraham. So he wasn't teaching how to give money. He was just teaching us how Jesus would come. That in salvation, it is God himself that will provide himself. So the fact that Isaac was sacrificed on the altar by Abraham was what Jesus was what the Bible was talking about in John chapter 3, verse 16. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So this was what the Berean believers were doing. They were finding out what Paul was teaching if it was consistent with the things in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is a shadow of the New. Are you Are you following this now? Can we teach sacrificial giving? Yes, but not that scripture, because you can have the wrong scripture and the right application, and you can have the right scripture and what the wrong application so scriptures is not just something you handle carelessly you have to be sure that things are consistent praise the name of the lord because when jesus met them on the road to Emmaus, you know what he told them he said listen beginning from the prophets and the law these all testified of me Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. When Isaiah prophesied, it was pointing to Jesus. When David sang, it was pointing to Jesus. Everything in the... And I can take you from Genesis to Revelation, that everything was pointing to the coming of Christ as the Messiah and Redeemer of man. Praise God. Okay. My ten minutes is over. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We open our hearts to the revelation of scriptures. And we say, Father God, that you build us. You will teach us. You will instruct us. And from your word, we will learn your ways. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we incline our ears to you. And in the name of Jesus, we pray that we are rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.